great open to the podcast. Hello. That's why hey, I wish that you were recording just now. We're rolling <laughs> on all cameras. We are. So I'm going to give us a clap. All right. And then a good clap. A good, a good clap. I mean, we have never. We're gonna. This is gonna be. A good we clap. should just drop this like. Uh, Theology book on the ground. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> Grab that book. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be visual too, though. I guess we can get it. Yeah, right here. Just drop it right here in front, and then it'll oh, be like. That's gonna like make this fly off. Yeah, totally. Yeah, make it happen. I think a clap is probably a good idea at this point. No, <laughs> nervous. <laughs> There's your clap. Okay. Uh, three, two. He's still gonna do it. <laughs> three, two, one. Welcome to the ULOCK podcast. This is Michael Vaughn. I am here with Caleb Fugate. Hey. Patrick Rounds. Hello. Kendall Kersey. What is up? And our first married couple on the podcast, oh, Eric boy. and Tyra Fott. Hi. Also, when you started, I was like, where the heck is he looking at? He's right. like, <laughs> at the camera the behind me. <laughs> Don't forget we're doing just, video. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have video and audio, so we're... He's addressing the people. We are a fancy he podcast is. now. Okay, so we have some really good questions that we want to go over today on this episode. And the first one is, how do we learn to hear God's voice? Mm. Mm. Now, when I first got this question, I thought that I might, and I anticipated some pushback or some resistance on my answer to it. And the reason is because uh, people, congregations, even some pastors who contend towards more Pentecostal might not like the idea that I'm going to lay out here, and what I'm going to sketch out. So is everyone that, on this couch is what I'm. Doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was. Other than bit, you and me. <laughs> I was a little bit concerned about that. So I mean, we'll just wait, wait, wait. Before you get into that, can we? Could we possibly share like crazy Pentecostal stories? Like I of, think that'd be fun. Yeah, I uh, think it would be fun. Okay. I have some, and I'm not even Pentecostal. Well, let's hear it from you because you have a different perspective. Yeah. So uh, it was in, when I was in college. Um, at Messiah, there was a really Pentecostal church that was kind of about 20 minutes out of the way. I can't think of the name of it now, but it was like super Pentecostal. Where was it? Um, was it, it was celebra- like on, celebra- uh, celebration? It might have been. It was on the way towards like Harrisburg. That sounds That's like a church I went to. So the one time they were having they were having a healing service there. So even more Pentecostal oh, yeah, than yeah. like a normal Sunday yeah. service. And I walk in there and I was a little bit late. But I was like, they're Pentecostal. They don't start on time. Um, I was wrong. They started half an hour ago is what happened. And uh, I walk in there and there are people like rolling on the ground. And I was like, what? Yeah. what the, what's going on here? I was like, why are they? I thought they were getting healed, not like injured. And they were like laying and I sat down and I thought I sat next to like a normal looking person because they looked a little shy to be there. Um, I was wrong. They were just bottling it all up, just waiting to explode. Because, <laughs> like, 20 minutes later, this woman just erupts and is, like, flailing her arms. And then she has a laughing fit for, like, 25 yeah. minutes. And I was like, dude. oh, she's oh, a laugher. That's, that's the real deal. Right? Because you got laughers and you got shakers and you got Quakers and you got all <laughs> And I was like, I am in the wrong place. <laughs> it was great. It was it was a good night. And honestly, it was pretty cool to watch all of that happen. Were you, you there, Eric? I, I, you no, because I was a sophomore, so you wouldn't have oh, been okay. there. Yeah, it would have been the year before I got there. Yeah. Oh man, that'd have been awesome if you were describing like right. in this one. So if you're watching, Eric and I went both to Messiah. He was two years behind me. Like, oh my gosh, three, three years, years behind three, me. Three years yeah. Behind, yeah, yeah. Well, in the context of hearing God, I will make fun of myself on this one. So I was a youth pastor um, about almost ten years ago now, and. Uh, I was a youth pastor and there was this service, like we had all these unchurched kids and like, I was the only one that like grew up in a assemblies of God, like super Pentecostal, like run around the church and hang from the chandelier kind of church. Right. Like right. that was what it was about. With your right? flags. The flag yes. The f- we had yeah. flags too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyways, I'm a new youth pastor and like, I'm trying to figure out how do I get these kids who have never been to church, like to connect with God and blah, blah, blah. And I don't think I did it on purpose, but in the context of hearing of, of hearing God, and I'm not saying I'm not saying this story to make fun of it because I do believe in that moment. I, I felt like I did hear from God, but it is hilarious if you were like you coming in. Um, is is a, is just really funny. So we're doing like this. 
we're doing this um, service, like worship service or whatever. And at the time I was leading worship in the youth pastor and uh, I'm playing and we had this song um, by Hillsong United that was old. It's called Tear Down the Walls. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> anyways, it's uh, it's all about like Jericho walls and stuff like that and um, tear down the walls. And uh, we're singing that song. And at the end of the song, I had this idea like we're going to all give the whole Jericho battle cry shout as a youth group. <laughs> and so, anyways, to break out to like this interpretive dance. No, thing okay, so check it out. <laughs> so check it out. Like at this point in time, and it was this really cool moment. I think I ruined it. Honestly, it was it was this really cool moment where I did feel like God was asking us to um, to bow down. Like I felt like that was like, hey, we need to submit and bow down like to God. And that was good. But then I think I took it too far. And I was like, this song says tear down the walls. It's about Jericho. Let me tell you about the story of the Battle of Jericho yeah. when the worshipers were ahead and they yeah, were French shouting. And then, oh, yeah, the French peas and the slushies. So like, and then we shouted and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I was like, hey, guys, this is going to sound really weird. But just trust me. Uh, we're going to stop playing. I'm going to count to three and we're going to just stop playing. And all of us are going to shout. And if and I don't care what you shout as long as it's not a cuss word, just shout. <laughs> and like I'm gonna shout with you, so it's like everybody's gonna go along. And uh, sure enough, I was like one, and in my head I'm even thinking how ridiculous this is. Two, yeah. three, and I take a deep breath and I shout. And luckily, luckily there was like this spattering of shouting across. I mean, there's about 150 kids in the room or whatever, but like that could have gone over really bad. And it probably like in their minds, I was brand new. So in their minds, they were probably like, what is this guy on? Well, see, I thought the story was going to go. You guys decided it would have been great to knock down a wall. Yeah. That's oh, that what I thought that would I would have loved that, yes. If we were like and an everyone innovation project. Wall, just into it. And you just have like silhouette outlines of like children blowing through a wall. Like senior pastor comes oh, up yeah. like, what the heck is going on in here? <laughs> so anyways, that's, I have many other stories, but I figured I would make fun that's of myself and not just one. someone yeah. else. So Yeah, uh, man, I have a story about this. Um, I'm excited. I was. <laughs> I'm nervous. Especially with that. Mm, yeah. I don't know if Michael's excited. I was, uh, I was preaching at a church in a town which shall remain unnamed. And, uh, was it was, celebration? <laughs> it, was probably, it, was probably, it was outside of Harrisburg. Yeah. And, uh, I remember this one guy, he walked in there and he looked like he had no idea where he was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so I was I was getting stuff ready, you know, mic checking and all of that. And uh, towards the back of the rows, a guy started having a health emergency. He was having like a, not the grandma seizure, but the, the catatonic, the like like a smaller seizure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people surrounded him, and they, they they start shouting up to me like, Pastor, Pastor, come heal him. Oh my gosh! Oh no! What? This man needs a doctor. (laughs) I mean, and and so yeah, I I went over there, and I his eyes were red, and he was, you know, not doing well. Shaking. I I prayed over him, and then I just walked back up to the pulpit, and I guess he just settled down after a little bit. But man, that was wild. Did everybody? Did everyone think? Yeah, he had a healing touch. it kind of carried the vibe like that wasn't the first time this had happened Ah. and so I just sort of thought "Mm, you know maybe it was just a thing for them but one time I accidentally dumped (laughs) it I was pulling out um, anointing oil for someone and anointing it's oil so it's like Mm -hmm. slippery and stuff and I dropped the bottle out of my hand and I was anointing a mom and her child was right in front of her and I dumped the entire thing on the child (laughs) They were, they were anointed. You are fully you. anointed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so. It was like a baptism. That's how much oil out over. <laughs> we say all this to say that it is a very short travel from Pentecostalism to weird. Shots <laughs> fired. It is. Listen, I've, I have grown up. I have grown up in the Assemblies of God denomination my entire life. Like, I have attended other churches or been a part of other churches, but. Like, my entire life, I mean, most of my family is at Assemblies of God Ministers, so 
I have definitely seen. But the some crazy stuff. thing is, like, AG is tame. Like, yes, yeah. So there's a there's another to... there's another brand, if oh, you will, yeah. of Pentecostalism. But I wanted to give I wanted to give context to why you would say some Pentecostals might not believe this. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Because if you don't, if you're out there and you don't know what that Pentecostals, yeah. And to are, your credit, every time that I've heard you speak from stage about like the movement of the Spirit, you've always tempered that with order, orderliness, and, and you've scripture. always pull, yeah, yeah pull people back. Right? Because I grew up in those churches. <laughs> That's <laughs> Because right. I, I made mistakes, it was like, church. let's shout like Jericho. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, I would say that the by far the preeminent way to hear God's voice is to immerse yourself in Scripture. Immerse yourself in the Bible. And I would even go so far as to say that if you're not doing that, if you're forsaking the Word of God, you should not expect to hear from Him in another <clears throat> way. It's not to say that God can't speak in other ways. It's just that if the Word of God is not sufficient for you you probably should not expect him to speak to you in a different way. And if he does, it probably also won't be enough for you. And I think that we can draw a little bit on the story of the rich man and Lazarus for this issue. And the idea being that when the rich man is down in the place of torment, he sees Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham, and um, he asks Abraham to send Lazarus to warn his brothers so that they also don't descend into the place of torment. And Abraham... I think it was Abraham, might have been Lazarus, says to the rich man, well, your brothers have Moses and the prophets, and if Moses and the prophets are not enough for them, even someone risen from the dead to bring testimony to them is not going to be enough for them. And so my take on how do we learn to hear God's voice is to start with and immerse yourself in Scripture. And I've worked with a lot of pastors, and almost all of them will bring Bible verses in response to real world issues, you know, so they, they come into a problem or they encounter a difficulty, they think of a Bible verse so that the word of God resides in them because they spend so much time studying and learning. And if you're not a reader, listen to it. Listen to someone, you can find an audiobook or you can listen to your preacher. If your preacher's a good expository preacher, you can learn that way. There's plenty of ways to immerse yourself in it. And when you do, when you're going about your day and you're seeking for God to weigh in on a problem that you have, you'll probably have a verse that comes Mm -hmm. to mind. Mm -hmm. And that's when when I think of God's voice and God speaking to me, that's what I think of. So what do, I mean, for you guys, like y'all are not pastors. Um, What would you guys say? Like, this is how I've heard the voice of God, or this is an instance where I felt like that was true or because I would, I would imagine that it's not always like, oh, I was reading the scripture and this is what happened. So I'd like to almost give a opposite view of that and see kind of where that goes. But mm-hmm. I mean, what do y'all, how do y'all hear the voice of God or how have y'all heard the voice of God before? My, I think first time, um, you know, like I had experienced, um, <clears throat> like seeing God move in different ways in my life and even like, um, this one time, um, a couple, uh, well, a few years ago, back whenever I was still in college, um, it had been a, a time in my life where I wasn't really um, going to church regularly and involved in like the first couple years that I was um, in college. Like, I had kind of pulled away from regularly attending, and I was. Um, walking across a, a parking lot here in town, actually the the lot behind Grace, uh, Church? Grace Church. and People are getting saved back there, let me tell you. <laughs> well, and, I, and I was praying, and I just said, God, like, I already know, like, I feel this conviction that I need to, like, get back into attending church regularly and read my Bible and, and um, you know, grow in my relationship with you. And immediately the bell at the top of the tower started ringing like as soon as the words came out of my mouth. Um, but like as far as um, actually like hearing God's voice or having him impress like thoughts um, in my spirit, um, I th- think in my own personal opinion that the best, easiest, most efficient way to hear God's voice is um, to be still and quiet and um, not have all of these distractions going on around you or noise or, um, you know, like really trying to like slow down <clears throat> your thinking and emptying your mind. And um, 
I would even go as far as to say that there can almost be like a meditative process to it of just trying to like empty yourself out of everything else that's going on in life and just um, like being open to an impression. Um, and so the first time that I actually experienced that was a time that you had um, kind of encouraged and instructed us to go out. Um, we're at this retreat and, um, you know, we had stayed overnight out in the woods. And so our intention was to go out and just kind of like hike off on our own, uh, in the morning and just sit quietly somewhere. Um, and so like the instructions that you gave specifically were like not to, you know, even though this was going to be some like quiet prayer time alone with God and everything, not to be sitting there, you know, praying. Cause I think we can do that a lot. Like whenever we want to sit down and pray or we have a lot going on, you know, we're just going to go through our list and pray about all these different things. Um, but I don't think that that gives us the opportunity to actually receive, um, what God is trying to say to us. And so, you know, for a considerable amount of time, I was actually sitting in a tree stand in the middle of the, in the woods and not saying or thinking anything and really just trying to, go back and forth between closing my eyes and opening them and just focusing on what I was seeing or thinking or feeling. Um, and I, I did, I, I, I had not a little audible <clears throat> voice. Um, I've never experienced anything like that, but I had very clear thoughts, um, that <clears throat> kind of came into my head and I was able to like understand um, in my thinking, like what was being said to me or what I felt like yeah. I was hearing. So let me turn up the heat a little bit on this issue. Um, because I think that I can speak for a lot of people when I say that for many people, the moment they feel closest to God, when they feel most in the presence of God, is either A, during prayer, their own personal quiet prayer, yeah. or B, in the midst of worship at a church. And so, what do we do in situations where a person's only communion with God is happening in a context such as that, and they're not in their and they're not in the Bible, you know, at home, or they're not, or maybe they shut off for the sermon or whatever it is. Like they're they they put they attach, let's say, the cart before the horse and. For them, that their relationship with God, the extent of it is worship, is prayer, and the Word of God is subordinate to that. Mm. <clears throat> I think what you said, I mean, it's that <clears throat> that the Word of God is the foundation. So, like, if anybody was to come to you and be like, oh, God said this or God said that, it's like, well, how does that line up with His Word already? Like, does mm -hmm. it confirm? Is it confirmed in His Word? And maybe not that exact situation, but is it confirmed with what you know, what you've already read, is it, is it, is it, uh, display the character of God, like, yeah. Yeah. which we just talked about Pentecostalism, uh, order, like there is a whole chapter in Corinthians, uh, first Corinthians about the gifts and it starts to go into, but there is also order in the church. Right. Like, right. Don't right. go too overboard. Yes, yeah. exactly. So like, I think as long as things are backed up with the word of God, then right. that's, yeah. that's the key. And so I know in my own life, and I want to get to y'all stories about how you hear about God too, because I'd like to hear from everybody like I think it's a unique thing but I know for me like there have been times in prayer countless times in prayer and in worship where I've had to stop and write something down because I'm like God is speaking this very yeah. clearly to me and luckily like I have enough knowledge of scripture I've studied the bible not and I haven't studied the bible enough I'm saying I have enough knowledge of scripture I You're still want to study but um to say, does this sound like God or not? Mm -hmm. Like, is this yeah. actually something that God would say? Yeah. Does this line up with his word? Is there even a story in scripture where I could say, huh, this is kind of like this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. if that's the case, not saying I'm going to force myself into the story, but I'm saying, oh, this one kind of lines up with this. That's pretty stinking cool. Yeah. Um, for instance, and I don't want to go off too far, but I think to me, this I think this podcast might... Uh, this particular episode might help if we also tell stories in this. So for me, I had a kind of a similar experience to you, which is why I told you guys, go off into the woods and say, God, ask this question and then just sit there. Um, <clears throat> I went to a men's retreat one time that was a week long. And this Tuesday we had a 
on the Tuesday, we had a uh, fast day mm-hmm. all day, um, sun up to sundown. And it wasn't just a fast from food. It was a monastic fast. And so we were not allowed to talk at all. Um, you went in, you got your, your water or your Gatorade that you were supposed to take with you for the day. And they locked the doors and they said, go out into the elements. This was February in Oklahoma. It was cold. But anyways, they were like, go into, uh, that's actually part of the story. So they're like, go to the woods. Well, I had brought a tent and I was going to just set up the tent the whole day and work this workbook they had given us. And I found a spot, set up my tent. I was like, this will give me something to do at least because 18 hours-ish of sunlight is going to, you know, whatever, 16 hours is going to suck like with nothing to do. I'm going to try to meet with God, but it's going to be odd. I'd never done anything like this. Um, So anyways, I start to work through my workbook. And then all of a sudden, I feel like I need to leave my tent. I'm like, I took an hour and a half to set this thing up or to find the place to clear the space, to put the tent up. And I've been in here for 30 minutes and now I've got to move. And this is dumb. It shields me from from, uh, the weather, whatever. So I get my thing packed up, put it in my bag. And I'm standing in front of this massive field, like at the edge of the woods. And in the distance, I see this barn. And I'm like, I'm going to go up to that barn because, um, man, that's going to be better than my tent. And it's about, you know, whatever, half a mile away. I can make it there. I got to walk across the field. I get over there. So I start to walk towards, <clears throat> I start to walk towards this barn. And this is something that um, I had made the decision to go to this barn. So I get over to the barn just outside of it, and there's a gate that I can't go through. We were told, like, you can go wherever, just don't go through any gates that are locked or anything like that. The gate was locked. So I go to the barn, the gate's locked, and I'm like, crap, like now I have nowhere to go. I just walked quarter mile or half a mile <clears throat> in the cold. I took away my tent. Maybe I just didn't hear God. And I look down and I see um I look down and I see <clears throat> this feather that has fallen, or this feather, and I also see this uh, dead animal, this dead animal. So, um, well, the, sorry, the, the feather led to me seeing like a dead hawk is what it was. So I look over and I look at the hawk, and as soon as I see it, it's like I had an Old Testament experience, like an Old Testament prophet experience. Like I look at the dead thing, and I'm like, oh, dang, that, that thing's dead. And all of a sudden I felt in my spirit like God saying, when you follow your own ways, which, in, which is what you have done for so long, you will only find death. You will find destruction. Yeah. You will find blockage. And right now I'm blocking you from everything that you want to do because you've been following your own way and it has led to death. And in that moment, like that could not have been a more real statement to me because at that point I had almost lost my family. I'd lost my jobs. I'd lost my ministry. Like the only thing I had was God. And I lost all those things because I was following my own way, what I thought would be good for me. And, um, so like in that moment, man, God spoke to me and I said, okay, God, where do you want me to go? And at this point, I didn't realize this until I got to the farm or until I got to the building, the building was up on a slope and I could see everything. And I said, okay, God, fine. Where do you want me to spend the rest of the day? And it was so cool because, uh, there's this patch of woods in between, um, me and the lodge where I was standing and I could go literally down a road into, uh, into this woods if I wanted to, but I felt like God was telling me to go all the way around the woods. I'm like, well, that's stupid. Why do I do that? that? (laughs) Like, and just reminded that you'll find death if you don't continue in my ways. And so I walk all the way around the woods and found there was another path coming inside, um, on the side of the woods. I start to walk on the side of the woods and in the middle of that patch, before I got to the road, there was this little tree or this tree that had fallen down that had created like this seat, this perfect seat. And the only bit of sunshine in the woods was right there. And so I sat down in that spot. Like I felt like God was saying, that's the place. Um, and so I sat down. And as soon as I sat down, I felt this warmth come over me. I had been freezing the whole morning. I felt this warmth come over me. And I, again, I wrote down because I felt God speaking to me like, you're in the sun right now, but I want you to be in the S-O-N. And I know that sounds really cheesy, <laughs> but like, that's what I felt like. Like when you are with, when you abide in the son, Jesus Christ, you are yeah. going to feel this life. It is going to be life giving to you. You've been in a frigid time, like all these things. So I have felt God speak to me directly without having a Bible. Like I didn't have the Bible with me, opening it up, reading these things in his word. But these are, these are the same types of things that we see in the Bible Mm -hmm. that happen in the Bible that 
I can't explain yeah. one yeah. Um, yeah. other than saying God had to have been speaking to me in that yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but you probably so, wouldn't have recognized them had you not read some of those prophet stories yeah. to say, oh, this is what's happening right now. Right? Yeah. 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 Because, I mean, honestly, the thing is, like, when I saw the dead thing and uh, the dead hawk and, like, God was like, and death has become a, like, I thought about, um, I thought about uh, Saul, King Saul, like, trying to tear at uh, Samuel's robe. Oh, yeah. And he yeah. tears Samuel's <laughs> robe and Samuel's like, and that's how the kingdom's going to be torn from you like that was like dang so that's the kind of the thought that i had but well i definitely yeah. want to get down to their stories too but to kind of We're putting like, you guys off i guess that's, that's <laughs> just like, no, no no this <laughs> like this ties back to what michael originally asked like you you can't understand who god is or know the things that god would say without being in his word first and reading yeah. about some of the things that he says or examples of how he's moved um in scripture and i like um you know so if you're sitting there and you're thinking because like we can um we can have our own thoughts and think that we're hearing from god and so like say i am trying to i'm sitting there i'm trying to hear from god and the thought pops in my brain like go steal a car out there like (laughs) i can know and discern that god is not the one who's telling me to go out there and steal a car because jesus did so to take that donkey can i this was like a really funny story that um one of my professors told me uh and it was a pastoral care class that he was telling me this and it Kind of has something to do with what we're talking about. A lot of it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But um, so he, had, when he was working as a pastor, he had this woman who was pretty nuts um, and really needed a lot of care. Really needed some medication. wasn't getting any of it right. Um, and she had all sorts of problems at home with her husband and stuff like that. And apparently, she came into his office one day um, and sat down with the pastor, my professor, and was like, I really think God is telling me to kill my husband. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well then. So they talked through that a little bit. Um, and he, like, says, you really, I think you should go get some help kind of deal. Um, and apparently she doesn't, but um, she starts, a lot of other people in the church start finding out about that thing, right? And no one starts getting, like, people don't give her the light of day because she thinks she's, they think she's nuts. Um, and, I mean, she kind of was, like, that's not a normal thought. Um, but they end up in a meeting together, and this woman is just, like, despondent because no one has, like, heard her out. No one has cared for her. And he gets into the meeting with a bunch of other elders in the church. Um, it was a random meeting, nothing about her necessarily. But he heard a bunch of gossiping about her, right? Um, and he, he asked them, like, hey, what do you, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they're like, hey, did you hear this woman, like, talking about... Um, like killing her husband and uh, he was like well let's hear her out and they're like what do you mean let's hear her out and I was like I mean God told a lot of people in the Bible to go kill people so it's not necessarily unbiblical (laughs) and they were like (laughs) (laughs) and the point wasn't to say like you know go kill your husbands because you think God is telling you it's probably not the point was to say like don't just block people out of your life because you think they're a little bit crazy because there's some crazy people in the bible right yeah yeah, yeah for sure uh wh- which one of the prophets laid on his side for three years naked uh, uh jeremiah yeah i think it might have yeah. been like they did whack stuff right and they would probably thought they were crazy like hosea is god saying can you imagine you're hanging out with your buddy hosea and hosea walks up to you and is like yeah so i'm pretty sure god told me to go marry a prostitute you'd be like yeah sure he did hosea okay <laughs> right but he did it's like those are wild things that happen in the bible that theoretically could still happen today right like yeah nothing. yeah we can't write we can't write people off yeah i mean there are and there are crazy people now but again it has to be but you got to know the, the point God. was you got to know the scriptures so well My so gosh, that yes. you don't become the crazy person who thinks <clears throat> God's telling them to kill their husband. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah, cuz otherwise you're just being crazy. And there's a big difference between being a prophet who's crazy and just being straight crazy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like prophets mm-hmm. still spoke on God's behalf and they might have been crazy, but like they still carried a word of God. Mm-hmm. And knowing the scriptures is what delineates between just being crazy and being a crazy person for Jesus. <laughs> so before we get into other questions, because I know you got a thousand questions, you the question man, um, what like how do you guys hear from God? And then I think that we can kind of get into more of the nitty gritty of the questions. Yeah. Stuff. So I think that 
I tend to hear from God a lot, like, when I'm just, like, still and silent with him. I think that I like to talk a lot at God. <laughs> like, I like to be like, hey, what are you doing? Like, why are we, why is this not happening? And sometimes it just takes those moments of, like, almost that surrender and just being like, okay, like, I'm giving you this time to do whatever you want with it. Maybe it's just to, like, make me still. Or maybe it's, like, you know, a time of, like, just, like, personal worship between him and I and like not necessarily being in a church but like I do I connect a lot um with him through worship and so I think when there's just like that time of surrender and just like being still and quiet before him and like opening my heart to like not being so busy is when I really hear from him hmm. that's good that kind of lines up with what you said yeah. <clears throat> uh mine's not, not mine's not far off that um but I, I want to touch on like what you were saying about how like a lot of people are are drawn towards um, like worship mm-hmm. and um, what was the other one worship and what else? Uh, just quiet time, quiet time like prayer, thing. yeah. And and so my thing is like I think so many people are are drawn towards that, um, especially in the Pentecostal church because it's like it's an emotional it takes mm-hmm. an emotional response, like mm-hmm. it takes emotion, right? Um, and so working in the medical field, like. People, I mean, it's very apparent that people uh, in general, not even just Christians, rely on their emotions heavily mm-hmm. um, on a day-to-day, you know, in their, their activities of daily living. So, like, um, I think that that's a big reason why a lot of people are drawn towards, like, worship, for one, is, like, because, um, you know, throwing your hands up is a sign right. of, like, hey, like, yep. this is, I'm emotional, like, I'm willing to, like, give up whatever I need to, you know, give up or, or sign a surrender. So I think that's a big thing. Um, and I think a reason that a lot of people, and myself included, struggle with uh, really getting into the words is because um, it's more objective, you mm-hmm. know? Like, emotions mm-hmm. naturally are subjective. and But when you read the Bible, that's that's objective truth. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's hard for people to, like, sit down, and it takes a different part of your brain to be like, this is logical. This is like mm-hmm. what God says in his word. And like, this is truth. So I think that, I mean, that that's kind of like how I, I view it. Like, but the, I mean, obviously the objective truth is important for the subjective mm-hmm. that comes after. But, um, for me, uh, like tying into that, I, I would, I would say that like prayer time is my, like, you know, time that I, I definitely hear from God the most. Yeah. Um, I think you're absolutely right, Eric, about, um, the emotional response to worship. And I think it's, an important response. So Nietzsche uh, had this idea oh. of the... <laughs> uh, Wait a second. <laughs> I was just reading some of the uh, work, so this is exciting. Nietzsche had this idea of the bloodless scholar, yeah. uh, someone yeah. who's all intellectual all the time mm-hmm. and um, it stifles and ignores their emotions so much that they don't have the passion to put what they know into action. <clears throat> yeah. So if I'm... So, so we're sort of developing a delineation here between two things you don't want to be. One thing you don't want to be is someone who believes that you have special revelation coming just for you, you know nothing about your Bible, but you think God is directly speaking directly to you and telling you to do things. You don't want to be that person. But the other person you don't want to be is the Pharisees, you know, like the the experts in religious law. Okay, Mm -hmm. the Pharisees knew the Word of God, but they they were so far from knowing God that when he stood in front of them, they didn't recognize him. And so just knowing the Word isn't isn't enough it's not a, it's not a substitute for knowing god yeah, yeah. and so there is a, a, a dynamic at yeah. play here yeah. now the the issue um so i think it's important to have that catharsis that you go through whenever you're in the midst of worship or whenever you're in prayer uh the fear that i have is there was a prominent member of a prominent worship uh band who recently backslid and turned away from the faith and if you guys can think of his name they deconstructed he's sufficiently famous to where i don't think it will matter if uh we say his name i just can't remember it uh he's one of the worship leaders for hillsong worship yes i can't remember his name right right now but yeah that's right and uh he had questions okay this guy travels the world worshiping right he's in who knows how many churches he had questions that he thought no one ever talked about and there are like basic theodicies and basic arguments mm-hmm. in support of of answers to the questions that this guy had mm-hmm. uh but he didn't he didn't know anyone was talking about them because he spent all of his time yeah. in 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 those moments and that was the extent of his relationship mm-hmm. and so that's a weakness in the sense well oh, here's a good reason why it's a weakness you're not always going to be happy 
Sometimes you're going to grieve. Sometimes things are going to happen to you that traumatize you, and there's no reason for the fact that they happened. Right. And they do damage that if you don't unpack it carefully with someone who's trained, it will last the rest of your life. It will be permanent. And what do you do then? There goes your relationship with God. Yeah. If, if your relationship with God was dependent on your emotional well-being and your emotional well-being is gone, then your relationship with God is also gone. And so, but on the other side of the fence, we have these scholars and these intellects who, in their heart, really wanted nothing to do with God. They wanted nothing to do with loving their neighbor mm-hmm. and loving God. They didn't love God. They loved the word. Mm-hmm. They loved the law. And... Uh, you know, they, they loved themselves because they loved the law so much, because they were so proud of their knowledge. Right. And so we have dangers on both sides of this. Well, and this is why <clears throat> I think part of the reason why Jesus says, um, hey, what's the greatest commandment when he's asked that is love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul, which is more emotive, at least in Hebrew thought. Um, all of your mind and all of your strength, your intellect and your body too, right? Like worship, um, our relationship with God is you bringing forth the best out of all of those, Yeah. right? Like God wants every emotion that you've got possibly got under the sun. He wants your hate. He wants your sadness. He wants your joy. He wants your liveliness. He wants all of it. Every thought that comes into your mind, he wants all of it. He wants you to be the smartest person that you can possibly be. He wants you to be the healthiest person that you can possibly be. Because in doing so, you are living into the creation that he called you to be. And he, he didn't make anyone not to be emotive, right? Some people are lesser degrees. He didn't make anyone to be stupid either. Like some people are lesser degrees of intelligence compared to others. But we're all called to, with the best of our abilities, to use our emotions for God, our hearts for God, our minds for God, our strength for God, right? And so you, from Jesus' standard, it's not like you can be one or the other. It's You've got to be both, right? Because mm-hmm. he created you that way. Like, Jesus got angry all the time, right? He was joyful. Um, He used his emotions um, in healthy ways, um, and he used his mind in healthy Mm -hmm. ways, so it wasn't just his intellect. Like, he didn't just give the Sermon on the Mount as some, like, intellectual um, pericope of sorts to say, this is how you should live your life. Like, like there was weight behind it with, like, emotion, uh, an emotion of God to say, I love my people so much that I want... um, you know, the poor to be blessed, the outcast to be blessed, to receive the kingdom of heaven, right? Like, that that's a motive to that, and that's yeah, what mm-hmm. makes it so powerful. Like, it's a both and. There's a, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. There's a, I thought you were going to say no, something. No. There's a vulnerability, I think, in recognizing and um, admitting and coming to terms with your emotions like, I'm mad right now, or I am hurt right now. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I grew up struggling with uh, processing my emotions because I didn't want to admit that I was upset about something, or I didn't want to admit that something was bothering me. Um, and so, as I've allowed God to work that in me, um, it's created a lot of vulnerability uh, in, like, you know, I don't, I don't like to have to admit that I'm sad about something or right. that, you know, something that has happened has hurt my feelings. Um, but I found that in those moments of vulnerability, God has been there saying, like, it's okay. I'm here to administer to you in these emotions that you're having. And, like, you know, our, our ultimate purpose is to be deeply known and loved by God. Right. And so as we as we do this as we you know continue to allow yeah. ourselves to be more emotive um it it brings us closer to him in that he we are allowing him to know our like deepest most inner right. thoughts and right. feelings um and so yeah i mean i think that's another reason why it's probably even harder to not hear from god if you're not able to process through all that yeah one of the and i'll say this and then shut up um (laughs) (laughs) so james k smith wrote a book called desiring the kingdom that's absolutely phenomenal he actually came to a science book it it might have been before you got there um 
I probably didn't go. But he talks... <laughs> like, he opens his book by describing this, like, beautiful, like, what seems like this incredibly, like, emotive worship experience, right? And he doesn't tell you exactly what's going on, but he's just describing a, an image of a place, and you're looking at it, and you're like, oh, this must be a church, like, it must be a worship scene. And it was an airport, right? And every, you get to the end of that, and you're like, wait, what the heck? I'm totally thrown. And the point was to say, like... The emotive responses that you get in worship should be applied to how you use it in the rest of the world. Yeah. And the mental, um, mindful moments that you get with reading scripture and how you prefer, perceive and the rationalness that you perceive the rest of the world is exactly what you should be bringing into worship. Like we mm-hmm. um, bifurcate the two, but really they should be happening at the same time. Like you should be as you're worshiping and praising God saying, what am I actually saying right now? Mm-hmm. Like, what is right. the what is the weight behind the words when I say, how great thou art? Like, why, God, are you so great, right? To me, right? Like, there's a reasonable, rational, mental part of that that we often just say the words because it's emotive and we're missing out on right. the true weight of worship. And we're missing out on the true goodness and glory of living life outside of worship because everything should be worship, right? So we should be taking this emotive moments that we have in worship and saying, what am I missing out on the rest of the world because I'm not treating it as worship? Yeah. And what am I missing out on worship because I'm not treating it with the same weight and respect um, that I do with the rest of the world, right? Like, we need to bring both of these together. We can't compartmentalize. But we do all the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way of putting it. That was a much more concise. Don't compartmentalize. <laughs> Three minutes of talking. <laughs> Two words. <laughs> Sometimes it's okay to have a smaller vocabulary. It is. <laughs> so so I, I actually have a theory as to why people do this. Um, so you can imagine the people who are intellectual and the people who are emotional. I think that they do it because being one or the other gives them the most amount of control. And Patrick, you, you pointed this out with the vulnerability issue. Yeah. So I want to read this quick quote from C.S. Lewis. Pastor Kim uh, brought this a couple weeks ago, and it was just brilliant. This is a brilliant quote. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. Yep. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. And so the issue here is that we are called to love God and love our neighbor. And love is not just an emotion. And we know it's not just an emotion because you love your loved ones even whenever you're so angry as to feel like you hate them. You still love them. That's because love's not only an emotion. Love commands all of you. It brings all of you to the table, your mind, your heart. If you don't believe this, ask anyone who's lost a loved one. Their whole being hurts. It's not just their emotions. It's their mind. They can't get it out of their head. It's all of it. And... I would just say that people who are only in the word and not and, and, and withholding their emotions don't love God. And the people who are only offering up their emotional life, maybe because they feel like they live emotionally more frequently than they live intellectually, so they have more control over that domain, they don't love God. What are your thoughts on this issue of loving, being vulnerable, and... Uh, do you think that that's right? Do you think that the reason why people, why some people tend to towards one end or the other is so that they can maintain control over their relationship with God so that they're mm-hmm. not really sacrificing, they're not really surrendering. They have a relationship with God, but in that relationship, God is subordinate and they are dominant. Mm-hmm. Well, I would even, not just because we haven't heard from you guys, as much, but I would throw it to this question to y'all too, because y'all are, I mean, we all four on this couch are worship leaders, but y'all to lead worship at, at United, um, you lead at the summit. And so it would be very easy. And I'm saying it would be very easy because I've experienced this. It'd be very easy to fall all the way into that emotional side right. yeah. because I lead worship. I orchestrate prayer. I orchestrate singing. That's what I'm doing amongst people. So how is it that like, I mean, what do y'all think about what he just said in the context of, yeah, but that's part of what you have to do. So how do you not allow yourself to get into 
one of those two sectors essentially. Yeah, I mean, for for me, like I've I've felt both of those those polar opposites. I I, I, I when you were explaining it, I thought at the time uh, I had a, I had my roommate in college pass away when I was in, a senior in, in college, so um, I was at a place there where like I my heart was exactly where you described it as like it was it was locked up and like you know I had experienced this loss and I was like man like this sucks and like it it was love but the like the repercussion of that was hey i don't want to do this again and i got scared and i was like i just i and so we were in a relationship at that time we weren't even engaged i don't think and so i we were like we like fought for like weeks because i was like my heart was just so like i thought it was just so fragile and and so breakable that i wanted to make it unbreakable so i i completely pulled back um but like the opposite of that was like you know i've been i've been at you know retreats and been at um places where I'm leading worship where I'm so like I feel like my heart isn't even in my body anymore like I just want to like give it you know what I mean like <laughs> if that I mean it's, it's kind of corny but like for real like I wanted to like give give mm-hmm. that to other people um mm-hmm. and like the like the joy that God gives you like mm-hmm. just want to spread it um and I think it's a fine line as like a worship leader um and a leader in general really um to like keep your not like keep a reserve mm-hmm. but like you can't give until you're burnt out right and you also can't keep it in and not let other people experience the yeah. same thing that you get to experience with, with your relationship with God. So uh, for me, it's a really fine line. And like when I um, lead weekends <clears throat> at the summit or like even the United, um, the summit's a little bit different because it's, it's two days. Um, but I have to like be very careful about not um, getting myself burnt out or mm-hmm. Sunday morning comes around and I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm singing, but I'm not singing. Like, I'm not recognizing what I'm singing, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. I, it's not holding weight um, in my heart, like, what I'm singing. So, I, for me, it's just, like, I mean, I don't really have any tips. I just have to be very, like, <laughs> self, self, like self-aware. self Like, hey, mm-hmm. like, where where's my heart at when I'm doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, I know who I'm doing it for, and I know it's all for God. Um, but I have to be aware, like, you know, where's where's my heart at? Where, like, where what, what do I want to see happen in this? And what's my expectation uh, going into worship. Mm-hmm. So Tyra has all the tips. Is that what you're saying? She's got all the tips, <laughs> tips and tricks. Well, one, naturally. One yeah. flesh. So like, <laughs> right. yeah. It's like the same thing. Um, I would say for myself, um, I tend to be more emotional for sure. Um, I enjoy fixing things and fixing people. And so like, I sometimes try and keep that in my own control. Like, Oh God, like you're going to do all of this and let me help you. Like, let me assist you in making this person's life better. Um, But I would say, like, in those moments where I just become, like, completely emotional or um, I try and think back where sometimes I feel like God reminds me of the times in my life when, like, I've faced something that has been devastating and those moments when you are forced to choose to love God and forced to choose to believe that he is good and it's, like, that act of, like, okay, everything really sucks around me, but I know despite what is happening around me that God is still good. And so kind of combining those two is, is essentially what got me through a majority of times in my life, you know, when I, you just have to be like, okay, like I am more emotional, but knowing because I've been intellectual about getting into the word and making sure that I am feeding my heart in that way, that's what sustains me in the fact that like, if you go one or the other, like you always end up heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's nothing to, to pull you back when things, you know, aren't maybe going the way you hope they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something that's really helpful, you know, for those of you that are listening, you're probably thinking that you're on one side or the other here. And so the idea, like say if you're, if you feel closest to God in the midst of worship and prayer, the idea of sitting down for three hours with your Bible probably makes you want to scratch your face. But, <laughs> Uh, wow! But, that was not the not the analogy I thought you were going to explain. Yeah, holy cow! <laughs> so, so here's here's something that will help you with that. Uh, this is a, a tip from John MacArthur. This is a really solid tip, by the way. Which is fascinating because he's not struck me as the type of person who'd be able to give a, a, an emotive person tips John MacArthur is very stoic if you don't know anything about yes. him. He's a stoic guy. Anyway, continue. So he, he, uh, his tip is that you should work to develop routines 
Okay, and so that when you're not feeling like doing something, mm. your routine will be like a well-oiled groove. Yeah. It'll be like a path yeah. of least resistance. Yeah. So if you read your Bible for 30 minutes every morning and you just say, I'm going to turn that into a routine even if I don't like it, yep. eventually it'll get easier and easier right. and easier. And then maybe you'll develop a love for it. Or if you don't develop a love for it, at least you'll have the routine. And 30 minutes of Bible reading per day across 10 years will make you a different person than if mm-hmm. you hadn't done it yeah. by a lot. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that's that's one way if you find yourself on one side or the other. Like, for me, I was more on the Bible reading side and less on the worship side. I came to Summit and started interacting with really fantastic worship, which I had never really interacted with before. And it changed my perspective on it, you know. And I just, I just recently did a song here that uh, now is definitely my favorite worship song, and it might be, like, in my top five favorite songs, period. Oh. Which one is it? Uh, no Other Like You. Okay. Oh, that is a goodie. Oh, that's a that good is a goodie. Good good I, re- I really so love that song. No, I'm love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 my jam for sure. So, um, but if, if somebody would have asked me five years ago, okay, or, or is a is a gospel song or a worship song going to be in your top five songs? Period. Uh, ever, I would have said you're crazy. Definitely not. But here I am. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's funny because. We've kind of talked around the subject of hearing God in a, in a number of different ways, right? Like in a number of, I mean, even going to the intellectual and the emotional, and this is how we deal with pain and like all this stuff. And, and as I'm hearing everybody talking, I'm thinking about like, there is a, there is a, uh, there's a problem, like you said, we're in one of the two, like where people can get in one of the two, super intellectual, God will only speak this way or God will only speak this way emotionally or whatever. And that's the problem is like putting God in that box. Mm-hmm. And that goes along with the compartmentalization is saying that you can, I know, I know God knows me and he knows that I'm a super intellectual person and he knows I love to read. And so he's only going to speak to me through the Bible. And that's the only way that he's going to speak to me. So then you stop looking for God to speak to you in worship. Yeah. You stop looking for God to speak to you in a prayer time. You only look to God mm-hmm. for for a Bible or you choose which pastor you're going to listen to because, oh, he's more intellectual. So I need to go listen to that guy because that's the only way that God's going to speak to me. Mm-hmm. And I think putting God in a box that way and saying God can only speak to me this way, I think that is one of, that's a major issue mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty rampant within Christianity, I would say. And the other side of that is the worship. Like, you know, saying that, uh, I don't know why this song popped into my head, but for instance, uh, back a few years ago, maybe it was eight years ago, the song Oceans, that was huge by Hillsong, right? Like, I mean, every white girl's dream of a worship song. Like, it was, sorry to you, but you know, you know. Okay, so, anyways. Every anyways, wearing white girl. Yes, exactly. They got their PSL on one hand, the other hand is raised, singing oceans. Anyways, the reason why I bring that song up, though, is because I would see people worship to that song, not just white girls, but I would see people worship to that song that song, just the song, in a way that I had never seen them worship before. Like yeah. that song comes on, <gasps> Oceans is my jam, like, let's go, right? And it's like, oh, God can only move in this song yeah. at this time, yeah. and this is the only time I'm going to ask him to take me deeper, because right. don't ask me to go deeper in the word. I only want to go deeper in this worship song. Don't ask me to go deeper into yeah. your word. Mm-hmm. And so like we fall into these categories, and... Sometimes it's uh, it's not intentional, but sometimes it is intentional because we are not intentional, yeah. right? Yeah. Like we we uh, we look to say, well, God only speaks to me through music because I'm a musician. Well, no, that's not true. Like we right. should be looking for God to speak every moment of every day. Yeah. And if that yeah. sounds like a little bit much to you, well, sorry. Like that's yeah. true. Like we should be yeah. looking for God to speak. I mean, God speaks to me more now that I have kids about his love as a father than I have ever recognized. Man. And I can and I can see now like if I'm not looking for those things, if I'm not looking for God to speak to th- speak to me through my kids or through my marriage or if I'm not looking for God to speak to me as I'm driving down the street, like how much would I be missing yeah. about what God wants to say to me? So yeah. like I don't want to wrap it up, but for me, I think that like when you are looking for God or when you're saying, how does God speak to me or how can I understand how God is speaking to me or how can I know that God is the one speaking? Like it's everything. Like it's being, it's having the foundation of the word, worship and prayer 
by you expressing your concerns or you're talking to God, God is talking to you through his word. God is talking to you through sermon. God is talking to you through worship and through prayer. And it's this continual conversation that is going on throughout all of your life. Like if you've put your trust in Jesus, then you should be expecting God mm-hmm. to speak to you yeah. in the little things, the changing of the seasons, the melting of the snow. Like, right. man, God can speak to you in every single situation that you face if you are tuned in and you're listening. Yeah. Right. But and that's why for for you guys who said like it's when I get quiet. It's when I it's when I'm quiet. Well, it's impossible for us to be quiet at all times. Right. However, yeah. we can ask the Holy Spirit to quiet our soul right. and yeah. to take away some anxieties maybe that we have and to stop, you know, to ask God to help us recognize him instead of just all of the things right. and the stressors and the the stuff that we've got to do and say God, help me slow down today so that I can see what you want to say. And I say that with conviction because I've had to do that right. on my own. So, And one of the reasons why what Kendall's saying is so important here, why you do not want to put God into a box, is because if you have this part of yourself that doesn't come into contact with God, or maybe it's like a, a weaker part of yourself, a part, the part that's been sort of atrophied over time, because that is the part that you need God to speak to, because that's yeah. where the enemy is going to attack you. Right. For sure. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And we see just even in First Thessalonians, Uh, chapter 5, verses 19 through 22, it says, do not quench the spirit, do not utterly reject prophecies. So this is for the people who are, if it's not written in black and and white ink, uh, it didn't come from God. Or red. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, you know, do not quench the spirit, do not utterly reject prophecies, uh, but examine everything. Hold firmly to that which is good. Abstain from every form Mm. of evil. So so we can bunch all of this up into a, a... a bundle by suggesting that it's super dangerous to put God into a box. If your time with God is only during worship, you've put him into a box. Yeah. If your time with God is only in scripture, you've put him into a box. Mm-hmm. When we want to hear when we want to hear from God, we need to recognize the importance of everything and we need to test what is being brought into us against scripture. Yeah. That way we can That's the key. Right. Because if you don't test everything, you could become, is it a universalist who believes that God is in everything or what is it? Universalist might be something different, universalism. But there is a, there is a theology, there's a belief that God is in this table right here. Oh, that's like Like, pantheism. pantheism. Okay, that's what it is, pantheism. So like God is, God is in this table. God is in my shoe. God is in this carpet. (laughs) Like that's not what I'm saying when I say God can speak to us through everything or through every situation is I'm not advocating for pantheism. I didn't even know the word of it, so there you go. Um, but I, the, the testing part, that's the important part. Yeah. And if you are not in the word of God, you cannot test the word. You cannot test the word of someone else. You cannot test songs that you sing. On, Actually, that would be like, panentheism. Well, there you go. Okay. Pantheism is every, pan, every, theism, God. Everything is God. Collectively, there you everything go. makes God. Panentheism is God is in You know, everything. I went to Bible school too, but it was a long time ago, and I forgot all about that stuff. So. <laughs> but no, I think that like when, when you, so for instance, when you sing a song, like when you sing a song in worship, uh, is it scripturally based or is it just a good song? Like, right. is it just kind of cool? And that's a, that's a massive issue in the church right now. Yeah. Like, are the songs, are they just, you know... Did they just rock? They're like, are they bops? Yeah. Or did they just talking? like? Do they slap? They slap. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do they slap? Or slap. is it it's, actually a real it's song? It's different. That, that, like, <laughs> when I was in college, we used to do a, a, a segment for the college radio station where we'd invite some of the theology and Bible professors in, and we'd play a, like a ten-second segment of a song. And they had to guess if it was a pop love song or a worship song. Oh yeah. Um, and they awesome. get it wrong most of the time because. Between 12, 2012 and 2016, while I was in college, a lot of the popular Christian songs, were, I would argue, didn't have a whole lot of scripture as part of them. And it was really hard to tell. It was like, yeah. is this Ariana Grande or is this Carrie <laughs> Joe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's, that's why danger. it's so important yeah. for us, right, to know the word of God. Like, yep. um, for instance, and I don't mean to open up a whole other can of worms here, but there are translations, quote unquote, paraphrases of the Bible that's yeah. like, ooh. I don't know about that. I don't know if that lines up with the original text. I'm not sure. And like, you need to be able to know and to be able to study your word that if someone comes around and they say, I've got a new revelation from God and I'm going to write this new Bible and I'm going to write this new book in the Bible. Um, you need to know, like, that's probably not good because I don't think God reveals himself that way. And the only way you would know that 
right. is through scripture, through yeah. the yeah. full context of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, I think that, that the testing part is the most important part. And the only way that happens is through studying the word of God. It's super important to uh, study and internalize scripture because like Kendall said, you'll notice when things are a little bit too far off and left field. And uh, if you don't have that internalized, then you won't notice when God is popping up in your life. You know, yeah. when he's bringing his graces, whenever he's yeah. speaking to you in ways that you didn't expect, you will miss all of it. Yeah. And so if you consider yourself a believer, but you don't spend a lot of time in scripture, the chances are God is already trying to reach out to you and speak to you. And he's already doing providential things in your life. You just don't see it. Right. And so uh, do we have any final thoughts on this issue before we wrap this up? I mean, I have some, but I'll let somebody else talk for something else. Because I just had a thought about, like, pro- like quote-unquote prophets. I have one final thought. I have okay. a thought about na- uh, uh, crap. Uh, who's wow. the guy with the donkey? Thoughts about crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the guy with the donkey that talks. Balaam. Yeah, I have a thought about him. Anyone's curious? <laughs> the floor is yours. Yeah, yes. well, your providence thing made me think of that. So there's a story in Numbers. So Balaam is this oracle kind of guy. Um, who the king of Salem sends him to go cast curses over Israel. Um, And he goes on top of the mountain that's overlooking where all the Israelites are camped, and he tries to cast curses on them. And it seems like he has the ability to do that. Like, it's not just some made-up thing. But God keeps blocking him. So he goes back to the king, and he's like, dude, I tried, but, like, their God is, like, he's keeping me from doing it. He's like, well, do it again. So he goes back, and at this point in time, um, his donkey, he gets knocked off his donkey, and his donkey starts talking to him, um, which you might think is weird, and it is. Um, <laughs> and then he's like, what the heck is wrong with you? And he's like, do you not see the flaming angel guy standing in front of you? And his eyes are opened and whatnot. But the, the thing that was interesting to me in that story was, like, Israel had no idea that this man was casting curses over him and that God was protecting them. Israel had no, no clue, right? Um, not not a, a lick of an idea that this was happening, right? And how often are we so unaware because we haven't been trained to look for the ways in which God is working in our lives, like you said, in, way, in providential ways, right? Um, there's this idea in general Protestant Christianity, um, common grace, in Methodism we call it provenient grace, that like God's grace, Christian or not, um, God's grace still is impacting, touching, the gospel is still reaching people's lives whether you see it or not, right? Um, And one thing I do with my church all the time, I rarely teach like a three-point sermon. Um, My my sermon style is just very different, and I'm always, I'll bring up passages, and I I preach kind of extemporaneously, which means like from the text. Um, I, I tell my parishioners, like, I'm not trying to teach you information. I'm trying to get you to be able to see the gospel story in everything. Yeah. Right, And if you can start to see it in the different stories of the Bible that it's not so clear, you can start to see it in your own life. Right? right, And you can start to see the ways in which God is providentially looking over you when the rest of the world is trying to devour you. Right, And that's, that's, good. that's, good. that's important. That's, good. that's important for us to know that that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. So the last thing that I have is just, uh, I think it's important to note here, and I want to be very careful with how I say this because I'm not invalidating anything that we've said up to this point. Uh, just that scripture is sufficient in terms of revelation for you to know the character and nature of God and for you, you to be saved. Yeah. Now, I'm being careful. I'm saying in terms of revelation. So what I mean by that is that there is no hidden secret revelation that you can't find in scripture right. that you need in order to know God mm-hmm. and be saved. Yep. yep. And that's so, what Gnosticism was based off of. Yeah. And <laughs> that gospel of Thomas bad. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So just uh, read your Bible. The more you read it, you'll start noticing God a lot more in your life and do not forsake the gathering of the saints and worship and your prayer time and all of it. It's all part of loving God. Loving God takes all of you. Yeah. And heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah, I'm glad you said about community, too, because, like, don't forsake that. I mean, like... Join a U group. Yeah, join a U group. There you go. But the thing is, is, like, I was just thinking about the fact that God can even speak to you through someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's not this whole prophetic, thus saith the Lord... You should stop, like, no, in the King not, James. I mean, it might be, <laughs> yeah, like, it might be but it's not always, it doesn't yeah. always have to be that way. And I yeah. think about 
um, you know, the scriptures say that like you you will endure uh, trials, yeah. and when you are on the other side of them, you can help other people when they're yeah. in the midst of their trials because God has gotten you through. So God yeah. can even speak to you through someone else as well. And the reason why I said it's the it doesn't have to be thus saith the Lord is because sometimes people will take that a little too far. And they'll say, thus saith the Lord, Trump's going to be president. Well, that didn't happen. So um, anyways, um, like sometimes you can get you can get kind of muddled up there. That's why, again, you have to test it. Like even if God is speaking to you through someone else in community, yeah, it's good to say, okay, like, hey, uh, and, and this is a, a larger community. Like, hey, my other friend told me this the other day about the situation I was feeling. And somebody else can even confirm that for you. Like, or yeah, or or say, mm, I don't know, man. This is what the Bible says about this, and I don't know that yeah. that's the case. So, like, maybe we can have a conversation about that. And those are things that I know that in my life, as I've as I've been more vulnerable, going all the way back to the beginning, like as I've been more vulnerable and talking to people, that stuff is allowed to happen. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it's it's all it's not compartmentalized. It all has to work right. congruently. Well, and in the community, it's like you find people if you're more of an intellectualist, I suppose. You might befriend someone who finds the experience of God and worship more palatable and palpable, um, and they can lead you into that. In the same way, you can lead them into like the the areas of strength that you have and growth that mm-hmm. you have. So yeah, absolutely, like, we do this together, right? Mm-hmm. That is a great point to end on. Uh, community. Speaking of which, you should join a U group, a small group. <laughs> Second uh, shameless plug. Yes. <laughs> if you can't tonight. Tell, yeah. So if we're not making it obvious enough, you should join a U group. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to be able to do that fluently. But, um, it's better that you did it, in yes. my opinion. I love it. Uh, United meets the first Tuesday of every month at the Indiana Theater at 7.27 p.m. You should also go to that. It's really good. You'll hear lots of good preaching, lots of good worship. Uh, all this stuff that we talked about, you'll find uh, at United. And you should join a small group. Go to unitediup forward slash groups. Dot com. You forgot that. UnitedIUP.com. Yeah. Forward yeah. slash. Yeah. <laughs> we won't edit that out, so you'll have to listen to me say it again. UnitedIUP.com <laughs> forward slash groups. There you go. And that's where you'll find all the information you need to get connected with yeah. the group that's waiting for you. i to make sure you. that's actually correct. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna fact check him right here yeah yeah uh, <laughs> if it's not correct we will leave the correct link in the description of this video so thank you all for joining us for the uloft podcast and we will see you in the next episode deuces bye bye, bye.